Welcome into another edition of Battle Plans brought to you in part by Royal Farms. Be sure to start your day and continue your day with the area's freshest coffee from Royal Farms brewed throughout the day so that you can rest assured that each cup is a fresh cup. Every single visit. There is no better way to brew. There is no better coffee than a Royal Farms coffee. Hello, everyone. I'm Tony Lombardi. And this week, much like the Ravens were last week in Cincinnati, our team is a little shorthanded. We're down to we're down James Ogden today and therefore forced into multiple roles is none other than the scientist, Dev Pantois. Dev, welcome in. And I hope you had a great Christmas with the family. It was joyous and blessed, I hope. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Tony. Uh, uh, I hope you had the same opportunity. I think we all could have used it after uh, that disaster <laughs> of a game. Uh, and yeah, we miss James here, who is like the, the, the Spock of like our Star Trek crew. I, it's the first like analogy I could think of. So I apologize, James, in advance <laughs> if Spock is not to your liking. So I'll figure something else out. But, um, you know, he's just a wealth of knowledge, though. Now you're going to make me look at his ears the next time I see him. <laughs> I didn't notice anything. I didn't notice anything at all with the ears. <laughs> um, but I don't know why Spock came to my head. But. Yeah, nor do I. We'll move right over that, though. Anyway, the, the Ravens, they got <laughs> spanked. A nice Christmas present for Ravens fan, 41-21. to 21. Dev, the Bengals have almost 1,100 yards of offense against the Ravens in two games. They've scored 82 points. Not a good statement for the defense. It's really tough to assess that game, though. It wasn't really the Ravens out there, just a bunch of guys wearing Ravens uniforms on an NFL field for the first time. But there were, in my opinion, a few positive takes takeaways worth discussing. And one of those is obviously who's in total beast mode this season, Mark Andrews. Just not only – is he presenting himself well no matter which quarterback is out there? Defenses seem to be keying in on him, but he's finding ways to, like I said, present himself and get open. And then after he catches the ball, he's running like a person who hates humanity. Yeah, he's looking like a combination of uh, a Gronk and uh, Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's just he's doing it all. And he's also uh, been amazing in his blocking as well. This is like the best blocking season he's had. I know that's not as uh, it's not as attention worthy or it's not on the highlights, but he's been mashing guys in, in, in the blocking game as well. And you're right. I mean, the consistency is something. I mean, I think he's setting records left and right uh, in terms of his consistency as first player to have what was it, 100 yards, a touchdown three straight games now i think that's the, that, that might be even selling them a little bit short no, that, um but that, that is a i think record. that's it ties a record yeah. with a jimmy graham so if he does that again he sets that record and i think he's 15 yards short of the ravens single season receiving yardage record yeah and he should get that easily um this coming game and it was interesting a couple of weeks back uh, I thought about the tight ends that the Ravens have had in their history and for him to accomplish this is no uh, it's nothing to overlook in terms of the feet because they had Todd Heap who put up prolific numbers obviously the game has changed since Todd played so you could argue 
that what Andrews is achieving, you know, you kind of have to grade it a little bit on a curve, but regardless, I mean, they have had some amazing tight ends. Uh, Shannon Sharp was here, Dennis Pitta, his run. And yet here he is uh, just in, in the tight end field as a whole, Tony. Um, I know Travis Kelsey's had like a slight down year for what he normally does, but he's still, he's still putting up big numbers. Kittle's putting up massive numbers. And yet Andrews is the best of that group. And that's quite amazing to me. Just everything he's doing and the type of team player he is. He talks nothing about himself. He talks about the team wanting to win. Um, and he's, like you said, come through in a stretch where they haven't had Lamar. Uh, he's, he's been able to come through for, for Huntley and then Johnson last week. Well, a couple of interesting things on Mark Andrews. First, he's a third-round pick, playing like a first-round pick. And, and the Ravens could say, well, we knew he was going to be a great player, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if, if they thought he was going to be as good as he is, they don't take Hayden Hurst in the first round, that's for sure. So that, that's one thing. The other thing is that I noticed during training camp that he was working out a lot with the receivers, with T. Martin and Keith Williams. And, you know, they were coaching him up and he was running receiver routes. And, and I thought then that, you know, the plan must be for him to be flanked out a lot more this year to be running with those guys. And it's played out that way. He has been outflanked out and he's just, he creates a mismatch, whether, you know, if you can size up on him, then you're too slow for him. But if you're fast enough to keep up with him, you don't have the size. So he creates mismatches and it's almost as if they've taken what the Ravens once did with Todd Heap and elevated that dramatically. Yeah. All good points. Uh, I think all of that has contributed to his production. I also think the receiving core, uh, just talent is much better. Hollywood Brown's having a good season and he's a threat that defenses have to account for. And then you look at the rest of these guys and, and they make plays, whether it's Bateman Watkins earlier in the year, uh, Prochet and, and Duvernay. So this is like a collective good, very, very good receiving core. And it makes it tough for a defense. Yeah. You could put the resources in to take Mark Andrews out of the game, but now, when you do that, the Ravens can hurt you with those other guys. Uh, but it's all a combination of those factors, I think. And, um, yeah, he's, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, to be able to dominate week in and week out from the tight end spot. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Cooper Cup plenty, and he's doing that at wide receiver. But that's – receiver position, you, you, you're kind of used to that. Like a guy could be used in a multitude of ways, moved around the field. It's, it's tough for a tight end, though. Yeah, so that was one of the big takeaways from that game. Another big takeaway was that Josh Johnson, I think it was his 15th NFL start. He's 35 years old, total journeyman, not only bounced around the NFL, but he's bounced around the Arena League, the XFL, whatever leagues are out there. He seems to have played in them. And I haven't seen him in my Parkville Touch Football League, but, you know, I'm going to keep my eye out for Josh Johnson. But that said, I think that Josh really – I don't know that he could have done any better than what he did on Sunday against the Bengals. And I thought it was really interesting, Dev, and maybe you can kind of highlight and, and touch upon this, that they open up in a no huddle with a guy at quarterback who's been with the team only 10 days. And it begs the question, 
because they've struggled so much on first possessions on in the first quarter, why they haven't done that before Josh Johnson got behind center. You and me both. Uh, it was the observation of that entire game or, or among them. That and the slant routes that they called for Rashad Bateman, which made a comeback, and we've been screaming for those on battle plans week in and week out. And I don't know what possessed them to do that and call that. I mean, and, and then also in turn, like, why don't they call that with Lamar? And why, you know, you're just, yeah, it's, it's like, it was really, mis, uh, it was really um, biz- not bizarre, but just kind of like head scratching, I think is probably a better way of, of kind of exp- to, to define it for me because, um, you know, it obviously came out and it worked and maybe there's something, to, the only thing I can think of is maybe there's something Roman saw um, with the first series and how the Bengals have handled themselves on defense and maybe he just thought, that this is the time for the changeup, but you would think you'd want the changeup for your quarterbacks, especially specifically Lamar Jackson, who is your guy every single week. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that was part of this ball <laughs> and he just was going to unveil it no matter what. Um, and, and he did a good job. Johnson executed that, that drive really well, of course. And, and again, they didn't really go back to it um, tremendously in that game, um, but it did catch, I think, the Bengals off uh, on their heels a bit. Now, when you see what Roman has done with Tyler Huntley and with Josh Johnson in this one game, are you seeing any things that are different schematically that they can implement with a Lamar Jackson-led offense? Because we're recording this on Wednesday, and Lamar did practice today, although he did show some limited mobility, but he did practice, and that's a good sign. And, and even Mark Andrews during the press conference today said, we're excited about getting number eight back there out there on the field. So if, if Lamar were to play, what maybe did they learn during his absence that can benefit a Lamar Jackson led offense? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think there's a lot that they can take out of what they've done with Tyler Huntley and Johnson and apply it to Lamar and get Lamar to, to kind of execute that same approach. It's back to something we talked about last week where you're, still trying to balance the big playability of Lamar with the efficiency and the controlled passing game that Tyler Huntley and Johnson to an extent brought to the table, because as we know, I mean, their, their um, attack style was still in the middle of the field underneath short stuff, get the ball out quick, be on time, be on schedule, uh, one step, two step, three step plays. And you're still, but you're not hitting as many explosive plays down the field. And that's what they, they missed. So is there a happy middle ground? But I think the big thing is, yeah, get the one-step reads out, two-step reads. And you saw some good stuff from the, with, with the route combinations, even with what, what they did last week with Bateman being used on slants over the middle. The receivers were getting open quickly and getting them some quick releases, getting, getting them some quick wins especially on first down and second down where this team, for whatever reason, I don't know why with Lamar, they seem to have more of a tendency to run the football on early downs would have some negative plays would have some minimal gains. And then they would be behind the eight ball on third down, but in turn, and what you saw Tony specifically against the Packers, Tyler Huntley converted a bunch of third downs, but those are third and sixth and shorter. And they did such a good job of, of gaining 
positive yardage being ahead of the, the down and distance. So I would like to see that carry over with Lamar, give him those easy, quick wins early on in, in the passing game. I think that's what they need to do. And they also need to do it to protect him. If he's not going to be the same Lamar that we see running around with that same juice, this is the best way. Get him to get rid of the ball quickly. And it also helps your offensive line. Uh, so, yeah, those are all the things that I would hope that they can kind of bolt on with Lamar's game and get him to buy into. Now, defensively, it was just a disaster. It just from start to finish, it was a disaster. But despite it all, there were a few bright spots, I thought, in looking at the Ravens' defense. And two of those bright spots were young defensive tackles in the forms of Isaiah Mack and Broderick Washington. Talk about their game a little bit. Yeah, Mac was was terrific. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a one-off, but I don't think so. Um, he just seems like a guy that's been scratching and, you know, being a good enough player in practice and being able to obviously impress the coaches. And, man, he came, he came out on that first drive, and Burrow, I think, shook him off for sack. And that was a hell of a play by Burrow by the way, like that, that doesn't typically happen for any quarterback to shake off a defensive tackle. Um, but, but he was, yeah, he was impressive. His quickness off the snap um, showed some playmaking ability, some ability to penetrate, which you, you just haven't seen as much from this defensive line. Um, and then I think on the flip side with Washington is the same thing. You get glimpses at times of his ability to penetrate and get some quick penetration and just, um, to, to really disrupt a play from happening. So I think that's the big thing that Mac and Washington brought to the table was disruption. And, and if you like contrast that with Brandon Williams, who I thought had one of his worst games after playing well for, for a stretch, I do want to say that, but looked almost slug, like a slug out there. And it, it was kind of night and day in those two young guys making plays and, and kind of showing up. Yeah, so those two guys, I mean, I'm hoping that that's something that the Ravens could build upon in 2022, Deb, because I think what we've seen opponents do against the Ravens is the quarterbacks are taking shorter drops and they're not allowing the edge guys to get home. And then the edge guys have to take a, a longer lap to get to the quarterback because they're still not getting that much pressure in the interior. So guys like Washington and Mac, that's, that's, those are hopeful signs. Not that those guys are bona fide starters, but for, undraft, for an undrafted free agent and for what I, I think Broderick Washington was a fifth or maybe even a sixth round pick, that, that's you know a hopeful sign for quality depth moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, you have to consider it um, because obviously they, they have the chance of losing Williams. I think they're going to lose Brandon Williams in the offseason. He's a pending free agent. I think Clayus Campbell is also – he's a pending free agent, but I think there's a chance – that he's gone. And then Derek Wolf is also a guy that could be considered. Um, I mean, his future could be considered in doubt. So I do think that these two playing well down the stretch is a big, big thing that Eric DaCosta is probably evaluating. And the interesting thing about Washington, Tony, is that when they drafted him, I thought he was strictly depth. I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but I thought he's a guy that isn't really special physically, not a big imposing guy. Uh, didn't really have anything athletically to, you know, kind of get excited about, but when he plays, I mean, especially this year, man, his pad level, just the way he plays the run, he's been consistent when he, whenever he's been in the game. And I think he's really stepped it up. And I don't know if 
that's just a byproduct of the coaching and just uh, all those things that typically can happen when the Ravens bring up their defensive tackles in the system. So either way, he's a lot better, I think, on film and on on the field than maybe his uh, measurables would have shown at the draft. And, and regardless, I think he is somebody that could start even for this team, um, given the fact that they're going to have to make those types of decisions with the cap and, and with Lamar's contract coming up. Yeah, I think with Broderick Washington, this I've no one said this to me, Deb, but this is just my own observations and my own reading between the lines speculation that I do think that Broderick Washington is adapting to coaching very well because I think he's matured. He had that all-season incident, which could have put his career in jeopardy. The Ravens stuck right. with him. The coaching staff probably saw something with within him that they could develop if he, you know, developed a sense of maturity. They did not give up on him. We've seen them give up on later round picks with guys that have had off the field incidents pretty quickly, but they did not do that with him. So maybe there's a combination of those two things at play here. I think you're, you're spot on with that. And I think that's exactly what's going on and it's good for him. And it's good timing for him too, because again, I mean, the Monstars on paper uh, to start the season, it looked fantastic. And we saw against the Titans in the playoffs, what the potential can be when those guys are all together on the field playing well. But the reality is, is all these guys are longer in the tooth and you saw the, 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 the risk factor. And now the Ravens may not necessarily, I mean, they're still going to have to think fortify their defensive line and add some more talent. Uh, but it may not, it may not make it a situation where they're kind of stuck and have to, 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 you know, maybe draft a guy earlier than they need to with these players playing well, especially with Washington playing well. Yeah, I agree. The other guy that stuck out stood out for me regarding the defense, and he's done this, I don't know, maybe for the last seven or so games, is Patrick Queen. He just is fast yeah. in football. He's reading. He's anticipating. And I just think that this is the player that they envisioned when they drafted him. And we have to give him credit for the fact that he is young still, so maybe it just took a while for the game to kick in. But he sure is playing a lot faster, Dev. That's the key. Uh, he's got his mojo back. And he make. and I, I said this the week prior, he makes little big plays. I mean, he makes key stops. He made a huge stop on a third down, uh, I think, in, in that sequence. It was the first drive of the game. And they turned – or actually, it was a second down play. Sorry. He, he had that stop, the tackle for the loss. It turned into a third and long conversion. I mean, those are the, the plays you have to make in between the lines on defense. They don't always show up on the highlights, but it is critical when you're playing good red zone defense. And he made that play, and that had a huge influence in the game because I think the Bengals ended up kicking a field goal. Um, and then beyond that, the coverage on Mixon in the, in the, in the, in the red zone, uh, that was fantastic. That's something he still has to work on is his coverage and his ability to hang with some of the top t- – uh, backs in the league and in, in space and in coverage and man-to-man coverage. So he did that, um, trusted his, his, um, his technique. And he's the type of guy, if you can get him to continue this, um, I would say, level of just you know, building upon each week, he's got superstar ability. He's got the talent to be at that level. And, he's, and I think what you have to give him credit for is the inconsistencies – we're definitely there. 
and he was having such a rough patch, but that didn't get him. That didn't take him down. Like he used that as a chance to figure it out and work hard. And you like that, I think in anybody. Right. But I think you especially like that in a guy that says young as he is. Remember, he doesn't have a ton of football experience either. So he's got tremendous, tremendous upside. I think he's a cornerstone player that they, they can build around if he keeps it up. Yeah, I would agree. And I think he's, he's certainly trending in the right direction. But before we get to Sunday's game, I, I want to remind everyone that we are brought to you in part by Rock Spring Financial. If you are in search of a mortgage of any type, Rock Spring Financial has a solution for you. Refi, new home, vacation home, they can tailor a plan to fit your budget. Trust me, from personal experience, I know these things. Call them today at 443-801-6389 and find out how you can get a free appraisal. That's Rock Spring Financial, 443-801-6389. Dad, let's first focus in on the defensive keys as James has outlaid them for us regarding the Ravens' upcoming game against the Rams, which is now a 1 o'clock game at MT Bank Stadium. There are two faces of the Rams' offense, according to James, and Sean McVay, he had a specific type of style with Jared Goff at quarterback, and that was based around condensed formations, pre-snap motion, play action, used a lot of smoke and mirrors and eye candy to keep the offense ticking. Now, that said, acquiring Matthew Stafford, McVay used a little bit of pre-snap motion, play action, began to plummet somewhat, and they found success early going with this new Mc, uh, Stafford evolving offense, but it the they, the Rams ran into a little snag there, maybe two thirds of the way through the season. Teams started to catch up to them, but now it appears that McFay has re, retooled a little bit more. He's blended what used to work with Jared Goff with what was working with Mc, uh, I'm sorry with uh, Stafford earlier in the season, and he's come up with an offense that really seems to be clicking on all cylinders right now. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, James did such a phenomenal job of, of, of uh, I would say, breaking that whole thing down because there is a level of going in the layers conceptually of what McVay's offense really is supposed to be or what he'd want it to be. And I think, Tony, this was built well, uh, well covered, but McVay really didn't want Goff. Ultimately, Goff was hanging him uh, out. Well, not hanging him, but really – confining him offensively to do the stuff he's doing with Stafford. And that part is that spread approach. I mean, kind of gunslinger approach, getting the shotgun and open it up on the flip side. I think McVeigh had that, that kind of classic syndrome of the, the kid that, I mean, using the Christmas uh, theme, but kid that got this amazing toy and just wore that thing out <laughs> and the batteries ran out and, and whatever, like it started to already like get, get old quick. And I think that's kind of what happened when they went to that spread, they threw the ball too much. They got too pass happy and they couldn't really figure out the run game and how to work that back in. And so I think to your point, they kind of blended it. And remember with golf um, going back, they had Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley at that time was the best back in football. So you could conceivably run a lot of this um, kind of just predicate the pass game uh, solely off the run game and play action and showing that same uh, play fake over and over again, and it will work. But ultimately over time, 
when you don't have that type of uh, run game or you don't have that type of elite, elite running back like Todd Gurley was. I mean, their guys are pretty good. They don't even have Cam, Cam Akers right now who's got that kind of talent level. So they're just kind of getting by with the guys they have, but they've, they're getting by because their scheme is still really good, that wide zone scheme. So ultimately, I think McVay figured it out and said, you know, we can't ditch this all the way. And now he's been able to incorporate a happy medium. That run game's going well enough. But I think ultimately that run game is meant to support this pass game and the ability to throw the ball down the field. Now, staying with the theme of figuring things out, McVay, if you look at his history, he's got a relationship with Bengals coach Zach Taylor. And Zach Taylor would like nothing more than to see the Ravens lose to the Rams. So with that in mind, and with McVay utilizing five receiver spread formations a lot and knowing the Ravens' weaknesses in the secondary as they stand today, what do you think we'll see more from the Rams, that condensed version or the spread version, given the Ravens' secondary issues? It's such a good question uh, because the, it really boils down to how much McVay trusts his protection. And you saw against the Bengals, I mean, the Ravens uh, couldn't get anywhere near. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I think they had their moments with Burrow, and Burrow kind of really challenged the pass rush. And as we pointed out in the, at the top, like, Mac had a clear shot on a big sack opportunity and he shook him off. And I think Burrow just kind of has, has really acclimated himself well to playing against the Ravens. And he, he, he you know, it doesn't shake him, but it, it, with Stafford, yes, he has a quick release. Um, but do you want to put Stafford in a position where he's throwing the ball uh, continuously and consistently? Um, and especially now that he's turned the ball over quite a few times, I think he's gotten, He's been throwing, I think he had three interceptions last week against the, the Vikings. So yeah. I think that's the, that's the only, that's probably the biggest danger for McVeigh. is like, I know I can't run the ball well against the Ravens. I can't line up and run the ball well, but I still need to protect my line and I need to protect Stafford to an extent. So I don't know that he can necessarily get into it. Just, it seems like they could on paper, but, and then I think the Ravens getting back their corners, um, I think you're getting back most of their guys, except for potentially Anthony Aver. So that's also going to play a factor in this. So I don't necessarily see McVay going all out with, with the passing game and pass happy situation. Cause we talked about it before. I mean, that got him in trouble earlier in the year. When you think of the Los Angeles Rams, probably the guy that gets talked about the most is Cooper cup. And he's been giving all kinds of teams fits. Now, three summers ago at training camp, I watched him when the Ravens and the Rams had those joint practices. And this is when Jared Goff was obviously at quarterback. And they were running these crosser routes, Dev, at will for big, big chunk plays. And to me, it just seemed that the way Wink was operating didn't match up well with the Rams. Now, granted, there wasn't any time to really study film, uh, scheme things accordingly to try to thwart a team's strength. But all that said, when I look at Cooper Cup, and then I look at the personnel that the Ravens are going to put out there on Sunday in the defensive uh, backfield, I think the guy, if he's going to go man more so than he's going to go zone, and we saw that they've had some 
communication issues when they've gone zone. I think that the guy that ought to be sticking Cooper Cup is Tavon Young. Your thoughts on that? Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Uh, Tavon has the – you have to have a certain physical style of play at cornerback to even have a shot with Cup. And I think Tavon, obviously, is the Ravens – he's a slot corner. He has been a very good slot corner. Has, hand, has had handled some very tough assignments in his career. So, yeah, I, I could definitely – see the logic in that and ultimately though uh, no matter what you want to play zone against Co- cooper cup i think you know the, the ravens played a ton of zone um early in the game against the Bengals, as burrow pointed out you know for everybody which was that it didn't work and then they went to man so i think they i i would pick zone but you're still going to principally need even whether it's Tavon young you're still going to need some uh, some level of, of double coverage against them um, and some of that could be, I don't think you're going to do the Devontae Adams where you're covering about three guys and two corners and doing all this stuff where you're ultimately just selling out so much uh, because obviously the, the Rams still have um, other guys that can hurt you. But no matter what, I think there needs to be some level of bracket coverage against Cup. But I do like Tavon's ability physically to match up. And I think he's had some guys that he's covered in the past Um that kind of have similar attributes like a Julian Edelman comes to mind cup has very um, the size and the, and the ability to run inside and outside routes, but have that level of just incredible change of direction. Uh, that's what cup. I mean, that's what Edelman had. And I think cup has taken, takes that to the next level um, because he also has the ability to go down the field and hurt you down the field as well. So, yeah, I think that is the guy that makes the most sense because if you look at Westry and you look at Jimmy Smith, Physically, those guys just aren't going to be able to keep up with Cup's um, change of direction and his multitude of abilities to take the route in any direction, whether it's breaking it in or breaking it out. It's just it's just too much, and especially the, a lot of the trail positions that you would want your corner to be able to handle. So I think you, you hit on it with Young, and then it's just a matter of can you give him support? And, and that's, that's going to be scary because they're still relying on young guys in the secondary, like Brandon, like a Brandon Stevens to actually make sure that they hold up with their assignments. Um, but they can't miss a beat with cup at all. Well, the reason I came to that conclusion with Tavon on cup is that you, you mentioned it before that cup has superior change of direction skills. And I think that Tavon amongst all the Ravens defensive backs has the, the best set of change of direction skills. I also like, the way Tavon pound for pound tackles. He tackles well in the open field. And as we've seen with Cooper Cup, a lot of the damage that he's done is after the catch. And I think that Tavon being able to stay with him and make those open field tackles is important. And in, in, in uh, support of what your argument is, is to try to double up on him a little bit. I'm going to go back to the basketball days, Dev, and say, remember the old boxing one? Yeah. The boxing one defense, if the Ravens are going to use a, a nickel base, then I think that a boxing one could be a way to go with Cooper Cup. If you just if you're going to take like the Bill Belichick approach and say, we're going to take do our best to take away your best asset to help us ha- have the best chance to win. They did that against Green Bay. I'm hoping they do that against the L.A. Rams and Cooper Cup. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and there was a benefit for that in the Packers game. I know that they still gave up 30 points, but it wasn't easy. And I think, I don't think, I mean, we, I'm just Stafford's not as good of a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers. So when you look at the throws that Rodgers had to make in that game, fitting the ball Incredible. into some very tight locations. Those yeah, I, I think, yeah, it was like mesmerizing throws that I think Stafford can duplicate because he has the arm talent, but it's more like, again, when Stafford has been erratic, they've he's missed pretty badly and he's had multiple interceptions. So you kind of, I mean, if you're wink, you're saying, all right, well, worst case is maybe he, we get a couple picks in this game, just the way he's been not protecting the football. One of the things that James points out in his battle plans is that it's important for the Ravens defenders to really set the edge. And the reason he gives for that in part and I'm just going to try to summarize it here for our listeners, is that the Rams attempt to go to force a defense to move horizontally. And in doing so, it creates running lanes for their running backs. And by gaining, by setting the edge, you can press things to the middle, which would help the Ravens defend that run. And if they can defend the run, particularly on their early downs, we get back to something we always talk about, Dev, forcing those second and third long situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the bases of the Rams when they're run, running and operating at their best is when they're running the ball effectively enough. And I think that's the key word is, is enough. It doesn't have to necessarily be um, dominant and they're not going to be. And, and I think McVay's a guy that could probably come into this game knowing that we can't get 150 plus yards on this defense. Anyway. So what can we do? I mean, it starts with that uh, ability to set the edge. The Ravens are really solid, though, at setting the edge. And that comes with McPhee and that comes with OA, um, you know, when Campbell's been in the lineup. Uh, all these guys, Jalen Ferguson, someone who I thought had some really good snaps last week and played very well when he because they needed him to. And Justin all these guys are good edge setters. Yeah, Justin Houston. Houston's been awesome at, at, at setting the edge and also – at the same time, uh, you know, just he's a guy that's willing to do the dirty work, um, even though he's he's been known for his his sack prowess. But yeah, I think they've got a bunch of guys that can can really. I think uh, James had the gladiator reference, right? The hold the line reference in his piece. So right, right. It is very much. It is very much that. I mean, like they are going to need to hold the line and play complementary football and work off of each other. Um, and I think they can get it done. And I think that's going to be a major piece to the, the puzzle, because if you can do that, like you said, you get them in obvious third downs. and Then all of a sudden they get back to kind of the predictability they've been uh, that where they've had some some uh, shake shakeups or where they've had a little bit of slowdown on their offense. Um, so I, I think they can get it done. Another thing that James points out is to try to get Justin Houston and Adafi Owe in positions where they can get home. Does anything come to mind for you what Wink might be able to do differently against the Rams or, or in general with Owe and Houston to try to free them up to get some uh, free runners at, at the quarterback? Yeah, and one of the things like they have not done as much of lately is their stunt and their twist and these line games that they run at times with wink very effectively. And it, it's interesting. They, they just haven't, haven't done as much of that. 
And I wonder if this is the game to break it out against. Um, and that, that usually what that entails is um, you have an exchange of kind of roles where the linemen, uh, you know, where you might have the first lineman, whether it's an end or tackle, and they kind of exchange roles with tackle, tackle end. Uh, if the end comes inside and the tackle, tackle crosses and kind of pivots outside and, and rushes that way. So I think that is one way, I mean, if you can get Houston LA even to be on the same side um, in situations where they got some unbalanced looks and really press the Rams offensive line um, in some unbalanced situations uh, where they have the numbers advantage. I think they, the, the game prior against the Packers, they did some things with three man rushes um, but the problem with that was, you know, three-man rush at times was effective against Rodgers. I think they ended up getting him sacked like three times. Um, but, you know, I think the problem was that Oway inevitably wasn't always used in the, in the pass rush game. So get Houston back. That was a big loss last week against the Bengals. And I think you, you do want to maybe give them some opportunities with these, with these stunts and twists and things like that. And especially with the Rams it being in more drop back and, and kind of defined passing um, situations. I think that's a good place to break it out. One of the guys that has been involved in the Ravens ability to stunt at times, and it looks like he's going to be available to them this week, assuming he's active is Pernell McPhee. I know you've been a big fan of, of the way yeah. he's willing to do the dirty work to free up some of these other guys. Talk about McPhee's role and his, and not having him around and what having him back in the lineup could do for the Ravens. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great call out is that they maybe that's the, that's the ticket is they've missed McPhee. Here's a guy who is, he's, he, he is to draw an analogy, Tony, it's like, think of the, uh, the assist guy, whoever that is in, in, in basketball, right? Like there's been some guys that just, they're so good. At, they just get the assist. They don't want to score the points. Or in hockey too. I know it's a big deal. I'm not as much of a hockey uh, expert <laughs> at all. Uh, but I mean, is, think of John Stockton. Yeah, John Stockton's a perfect example. I mean, that's a guy that didn't score a ton of points, but he didn't he didn't have an issue just getting the ball to Carl Malone, and, and that's what McPhee does. He sacrifices himself to open up lanes and rush opportunities for the other guys, and they haven't had that for a long time with him out of the, out of the lineup. So I think, yeah, he could, if you can get him involved in more of these rush packages that could open up a lot of things and open up some opportunities. Um, and, and it is the thing that you love about McPhee is he can rush outside. He can rush inside. He can put his hand down and he can also rush out of a two point stance. So it gives you so much versatility. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a good call. If McPhee's right, and maybe that's the that's really the missing element they've needed. You put them together with Houston, Oway, and Bowser, and all of a sudden you kind of have like a NASCAR package back again. I think Campbell, uh, we we don't know his status as I mean as of now his status is up in the air. Um, so they may need to come up with some sort of a, um, alternate kind of look to throw the Rams off and, and kind of put their best pass rushers all on the field at the same time. Flipping over to the other side of the ball with the Ravens on offense and looking at the Rams defense, you have Raheem Moore, who's was hired by McVay to come in and be the defensive coordinator. And, you know, he was asked not to deviate too much from the framework put in place by Brandon Staley. 
But according to James, it looks like Morris has added his own little flavor and the results have been questionable at times. So talk about this Rams defense with Raheem Morris versus Brandon Staley. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, again, another astute observation from James because when you look at the Rams' defense this season, uh, they have not performed as well as they did last season. Uh, you know, like, so, so they're, that's one of the big differences of Staley versus Morris. And Morris is, I think, a, you know, he comes from the Tampa Bay. He's a Tampa Bay disciple. Um, so he's been schooled in more of the cover two, too high safety with, with a zone scheme kind of um, that's, his, that's the philosophy that he's been schooled in. Uh, I think what James was talking about, which was a really good observation is that with Staley, they may not, they may still stay in zone, but they may give you a difference of cover three and they may play cover two. They may do some shifts post snap, but there isn't as much of that movement from pre to post snap. With, uh, with Morris, I think he's played it a little bit more conservatively. And that even goes to the corners being uh, in more of an off-coverage um, position, which kind of goes against the principles of cover three and cover one, which is that you're still playing some press man. And especially with a guy like a Jalen Ramsey, you would think that the strength would be to – I mean, I don't know if they don't, I do that exclusively with Ramsey. Um, they may just do that with the rest of their defensive backs, but – yeah, I mean, these are some of the things that Morris has done that I think has been a little bit like you're basically kind of um, taking out the I think taking out the punch of this defense, which is full of playmakers. And uh, they, they've been a little bit more soft overall. And maybe that's because they believe that at the end of the day, um, because of their offense and because of how prolific it is. They just kind of need to get the lead and then just let their, their horses kind of loose like Donald and Floyd. Um, I don't know, but the point is, is that they've had a soft enough defense that offenses have been able to move the ball and find those openings. Uh, and they've been easier to find than it were under uh, Staley. Now we know that Lamar practiced today, Wednesday, as we're recording this. And from some of the video we saw, Dev, I'm not sure if you saw it or not, but, Lamar was just standing there, just throwing slants and whatnot. But it looked like it was almost as if his mobility, his feet were tied together. He just didn't really move a lot. And they said, although I didn't see it on the tape that I saw, they said he was limping around a little bit. And, you know, this is during the short window that the media has to observe practice. And I would not put it past John Harbaugh to try to, lure the Rams into this thinking that, well, maybe he's not all that mobile. Maybe we don't have to really prepare for that part of his game. It's just a passing game. But all all that said, it it just might be be, me being conspiracy theorist, but it's something I would not put past John Harbaugh in a good strategic way. But with, with the Ravens, I think what they were able to do in Lamar's absence is develop a little bit more. And we talked about it at the outset of the show, a little bit more of that short passing game, the slants, the Bateman, and, and, and taking advantage of the soft uh, spots on the outside of a, you know, the perimeter of a defense where, you know, it's just a quick two, three-step drop, get the ball out kind of thing. How might that work against the Rams defense? I think it would work very well. I mean, I think the stuff that they um, did against uh, the Bengals on that, that touchdown drive, it's pretty much – 
the blueprint for how to attack the Rams. I mean, again, the slant, um, Bateman, it's not so much just even the, the slant itself, it's that, that Bateman is so good at running that slant. That's the key. He gets open. And, and then you talk about what you talk about in terms of soft coverages on the outside. And that just lends to Brown, who's turned into all of a sudden, and I, don't, I don't know if it's a good thing, but he's turned into this, um, he's turned into a possession receiver at this yeah. point. I mean, he's, he's getting, all of his catches are coming at four and five yards. So, and it, hey, if there, I mean, take it. But Andrews, you know, has been dominating as well in his route. So I, I think they have the, I think this is a good, it's ironic on the surface, Tony, because I think a lot of people will look at this and say, well, the Rams are this really, really good team. And they're, it's not that they're not, but I think the way that they play defense, they've been very, very beatable. And given Lamar's struggles, given the offensive line, the protection challenges, and all those things, I just think that's, that's there for them to get right on. And, and call it a get-right game might sound just crazy, but this is the defense right now. And you, see, you also saw they've had success against the zone, not so much with Lamar, um, but in the Browns game, the second Browns game with Tyler Huntley um, and the bears also play a zone. Uh, so when you look at it, they've had some success again, because out of necessity, they've had to turn to these route. They've had to turn to this type of a style of a passing game. I just think if, if they, if they can, if they can, if Lamar is healthy enough and they, they, they think, all right, well, look, Lamar, like you're not going to be able to just take off and, and, and do the hero ball thing. But if we set this up right, you'll have plenty of opportunities to carve these guys up with your arm, from the pocket with your arm. It's there. And, and you saw in 2019, I know this was a while ago and a long time ago, um, and it's different defenses and different, different schemes, but that's how he carved them up in 2019. The ball was out quick, and he was just dialing it up over the middle out of an empty set. And they, they just they didn't really have any major over-the-top plays. It was just a lot of 10-yard, 12-yard um, throws and he was just dialed in and he was razor sharp that day. Yeah. I was just going to ask you that question about, you know, 2019, they, they tore them up, put them up and it was out of empty sets, five wide packages. And, and I was thinking that if the Ravens do more of that against the Rams this time around, they might avoid a situation where Raheem Morris decides to say to Jalen Ramsey, I want you to take away their best offensive weapon. And that's Mark Andrews. He's got the size to do it. And yeah. so I, I'm just wondering if you think that going five wide may dial down the impact of some strategic move like that to put Ramsey on Andrews. It's a, yeah, that's one uh, of the benefits. I, I would agree. I mean, it's, I think with Ramsey and the way they've used them, it's kind of just, this is what we're going to do. And they've kind of stood stuck to it if they do decide we really just need you to take mark andrews out um I, I think they'll stick with it but to your point and what we said at the beginning of the uh, of the pod which is that now you've got guys that can really hurt you underneath you saw Prochet do that um you you know duvernay may be back if he's not i mean we'll, we'll find out but i mean bateman we saw he's capable of that and you know just the guys that they can still hurt them the receivers that can hurt them. And even Devontae Freeman can hurt you coming out of the backfield. So I wonder if you go to five, I mean, obviously empty makes it more of a chance that you're not going to see as much Freeman um, in the backfield, but even there, like, is that an advantage to flex them out and, and turn them into a pass catcher? 
Um, I think so. I mean, those are all, all the kind of advantages you get. The only catch with the empty is, of course, you have to be able to pr- protect the quarterback, um, which is tough with Donald and Floyd, and then they've got Von Miller now. But I think the, the advantage is that it's a quick game. It's tempo, up-tempo game. And if they do it right, it could really work out. And I think, again, the soft coverage really lends to be able to execute that better. Um, you just have to be on time. You have to be on schedule. And that's the key to the whole thing. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with why you have to think twice about the five wide formations. And that is Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller. So you have to, you can do it, but you got to do it carefully. Like you said, distribute the ball quickly. Now I want to get into, to wrap things up, I want to get into what James has as his matchup of the week. And I would have bet prior to reading it that he would have said Cooper Cup against pick the Ravens back that's a defense back that's going to mark him. But he went with Jimmy Smith versus Odell Beckham Jr. Your thoughts on that? (laughs) I think I know why James went that route. James is a crafty guy uh, because it would be easy to do the cup versus whoever. But when you think about it, if the Ravens are going to succeed in this game, Odell Beckham needs to be contained because um, you look at what the Packers had with Lazard and MBS um, and those guys, those guys made big plays. That's how they were able to have the, the offensive output that they had. And Odell Beckham's a better player than those guys, obviously. Um, but I think the thing that's interesting in this game is, and Odell Beckham's also been very productive for the Rams. Also want to say that, um, Jimmy's capable physically still of being, he's not going to be the Jimmy Smith from 2011, uh, 2000 and, uh, what, what year was it that he had that year? 2013, I think, where he was just, he was shutting everyone down. Um, he's not that guy, but I think, you know, he definitely can still turn it on. And we've seen glimpses of that. And in particular, Odell doesn't do fantastic against physical corners that jam him up and kind of get in his face. I remember Odell gave him some fits in 2000 and I think it was a 2016 game against the Giants. And that was the, I think that was the game, Tony, where um, Odell scored uh, to end the game and to win the game, if you remember that one. But yeah. prior to that, Jimmy was locking him down. And, and so I think he's got the technique boundary corner as a boundary corner to give Beckham problems and, and challenge him. And Beckham, if you, if you look at his history again, against guys like that, Marlon and Marcus Peters, guys that really challenge you, um, he hasn't done as well. So can you, can you do that? I, I think that's the key. And I think that's a good call out by, by James that that's why it's a pivotal matchup because they need Jimmy to kind of dust off his old self and kind of uh, give him a game where, you know, maybe he can kind of come, out of that um, old Jimmy, uh, you know, shoes and, and put something together against Beckham. Now we're at that time of the year, Dev, where we're watching the scoreboard, particularly when you don't control your own destiny. The Ravens win out, they'll finish at 10 and seven, but they'll still need some help. And that help will have to come in the form of a Raiders loss or a Dolphins loss, both of which are possible. And, the Raiders play the Colts and the Dolphins, I believe, play the Patriots. No, they play the Titans. So both of those are doable, but you can't always count on them. And then there's still a chance that the Ravens could win the division because the Bengals play the Chiefs in Cincinnati. 
And then they travel to Cleveland to play the Browns and people probably rolling their eyes and say, there's no way that the Bengals will lose to the Browns. But keep in mind the first time around the Browns handed it to them 41 to 16 in Cincinnati. There's always sometimes matchup things that people can, or teams can take advantage of. So I wouldn't count that out. And I looked ahead at the week 18 lines, Dev, this surprised me. Now, sometimes the lines will move or oftentimes they'll move from when they're, you're looking that far into the, the future. But week 18 line with the Browns hosting the Bengals, the Browns are six and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. So it's possible yeah. the Bengals could lose the next two games. And we've seen them lay eggs after a convincing win you know, against a, a formidable opponent like they did with the Ravens this past week. So all that said, you never know, particularly this, this season, the 2021 20, season has been crazy. So you never know what can happen, but none of it is going to be possible unless they take care of business against the Rams. Uh, totally. I agree. Uh, and, and what is working in their favor is that they're getting guys back, right? We talked about Justin Houston, talked about their corners, Westry, Jimmy Smith. Um, and then you talk about some other guys that are, that are going to be back in the lineup, including their quarterbacks, whether it's Huntley, whether it's Lamar. I, I just think, you know, I think the Rams are a very good football team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they're, they're, and they're also chasing the division championship, but this is going to be a tough environment. And I think the key is, can the Ravens play physical enough? Um, remember that Chargers game, Tony, they came in and they started hitting the Chargers and, it made a difference. Like that Chargers, I think, felt the cold and they felt the hits. And their corner, their receivers all of a sudden got short arms and started dropping balls. You had Brandon Staley dialing up for whatever reason, third down, fourth down after uh, each play against Marlon Humphrey. But if they can get some of that to go their way, and I think Stafford being again not very secure with the ball, I think this is a I think this is going to be a closer game especially because the Ravens are going to be fighting for their lives. And I think they have a very good shot to pull this one out. Um, I do like the way that they kind of match up in this game. They do, obviously, they're going to need some of those things to go their way. And I agree with you that the Bengals are not out of the woods just yet. I mean, they acted like they won the division by beating the Ravens in that game. And I could easily see them dropping those two games as, as well. Yeah, and I like the fact that they got really high on the hog after that game. And they were doing all the trash talking and, you know, you had Tyler Boyd taking videotape of the Ravens buses pulling away from the stadium and those kinds of things. So, yeah, act like you've been there before, guys, and we'll see where you are at the end of the season. But I I think you're right on spot on with this game against the Rams. If they can get physical early, get off to a fast start and get that crowd and keep that crowd in the game that could give the Ravens a decided advantage, particularly with the, I think the weather forecast is for it to be not too cold, but damp. And that's something that the Rams aren't used to playing in either. Hey, one, one quick thing on that note, Tony, I, I pulled up an article and I like to read the articles of the teams uh, leading up to the game. And sometimes you get really good insights from local writers and the Rams have struggled with some early leads. So that's something to look out for to your point, the Raven and the Ravens have been terrible. <laughs> on the other side of that, um, without with not getting the early lead. But the point was, is that because the Rams at times get down their pass rush, and this is during their losing streak, their pass rush doesn't have the same um, kind of bite that it normally would. 
because they're playing catch up and they're trying to get out of a hole. So if they do get that lead, that is one way to kind of keep that pass rush at bay. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to battle plans. Be sure to check out James's battle plans on Russell street report. He'll have both the full and the abridged version uh, on Russell street report come tomorrow. And then again on Friday on behalf of James, Dev and all the staff at Russell street report, we wish you all the best in 2022, including a little bit more Festivus. Thanks for listening.